When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadab Sharma and Patrick Mooney here on the much-dreaded off day after opening day. Uh, I mean, I get why they got to have it. If inclement weather should push opening day back, nobody wants to sacrifice their opening day. But it certainly does make for a lull after i mean it's it's like lose lose right because so the cubs had a wonderful opening day we'll get to that in a moment but if they had had a terrible opening day then you got to wait even longer to sort of get that taste out of your mouth and um i am also dealing with a terrible taste in my mouth this morning from one too many (laughs) one too many celebratory cocktails uh after the game but you know what it was a it was the full opening day experience we had uh, remarkably good weather for a Cubs opening day, and the Cubs won. We're going to talk about the nature uh, by which they won. Uh, I got to see a bunch of friends. They have beer bats in the stadium now. I mean, I was <laughs> going nuts on a beer bat or two, and uh, yeah, it was just a it was a really good day. And today is going to be less than that. um so i i had a radio spot at sluggers and honestly i forgot sluggers still existed i for some reason that whole uh you know block there right is is so different i assumed sluggers was also gone maybe i got it confused with mullins is mullins gone gone? um right and so i i mean i just don't go out around there a lot uh especially before games right if i'm going to a game as a fan it's going to be a with my kids, so I'm not hitting up the, the Wrigleyville bars. I just forgot what it was like. I walked in there searching for where uh, the scores had their setup, so I was searching like the entire the entirety of Sluggers before I finally found them, and I was just like, "Oh man, I forgot how hard people <laughs> go <laughs> before games. Like this is like taking me in a time warp back to my 20s." Uh, so it was it was kind of a nice to see that. I guess it's probably. Uh, you know, one of the cra- like crazier times post pandemic too, right? Probably one of the more crazy uh, opening days since then. So we just haven't seen that, or I haven't seen that. So it was it was kind of nice to just like remind myself, oh yeah, fans really get into this and 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 take it to another level. Uh, but yeah, what a you know, it, it's nice to have real baseball back, and and instead of overanalyzing uh, spring training, we can overanalyze one game and that actually matters. So uh, 
hooray we'll we'll take away insane conclusions just like we did uh last episode about uh the four weeks of of meaningless games we saw yeah, brett i feel like i need a full review of the beer bat like i was very intrigued seeing that popping up on twitter <laughs> like i don't think we should just gloss over this as a new new item this year it's so i have two main thoughts about okay. it um one it's very sturdy like almost <laughs> alarmingly sturdy when you think about what could what uses to which the bat could be put uh in certain you know there's a rivalry game in july for example you, you can you can imagine scenarios oh, so no. it's, it's a lot sturdier than i thought and then the other rub is it's because it's so long when you go to to drink it and you're tipping it back you are absolutely going to smack the person who's sitting in front of you in the back of the head. But as long as everyone in your section has one, which which we did, everybody understands. Like, oh, it's just the beer bat. It's just the beer bat. So uh, that, was, that was good. It was a good experience. We did not get any we, – we sort of talked about, you know, if, if, if the Brewers were to hit a home run, you can throw it back, of course, as you should. But – or you could hit it back. Maybe someone pitches you – the ball a little mm. bit and you take a little beer bat swing and you know and get ejected sure of course be worth, worth it i feel like nothing can go wrong with this you know like they well there was a time where like cup snakes were like outlawed that was a big thing like oh we can't be putting you know plastic cups together and form a long chain snake but let's just have people buy bats and slam beers i love it i love and where they this did. is going the, we were the beer snakes were shut we down were talking about this yesterday. in the, the way right we were talking about this in the in the press box during spring when they sent the press release out and showed that beer bats would be at Wrigley. So I can't remember who said it, but one of the other writers was like, "Huh, I wonder if this is a like a sneak attack way of of getting rid of the the snake cups." Uh, and and the pro- uh, you know, obviously, according to you, Brett, they're they're yeah, shutting them down, down quickly down now. So I mean, the the rub with that conspiracy theory though is technically the beer bats are not available in the bleachers <clears throat> you've got to circle around oh. to one of the corners of the bowl to, to get it but I mean come on we found our way we there, there were plenty in the bleachers still <laughs> you were out of I was like, I'm not gonna not get a beer bat uh, when it is first available at Ridley Field uh, so anyway that was a good that was a good fun part of the experience and I, I would say um, it, I hadn't thought about the fact that it you know, post pandemic, you know, we sort of are getting this, this creep of people wanting to re-experience things and sort of forgetting how tight and tense things were for so many years. It, I mean, it certainly felt different there than it did for the opener the last, what, last year. And then certainly the year before that, where the opener was what later into the season and it was like a thousand people. And I mean, that right. 2021, when they had the opener, it was like, it wasn't until midsummer when they had the full, fully open, which was right. the Rizzo home run. They were still in it, and Rizzo Cardinals. Right. The Cubs were still in the mix. And um, in twenty one, but so right. it was. It, it was nice. I know um, it was particularly good weather for an opening day. I think I, I I get the sense, and I've gotten this, you know, from the internet as well, and doing what we do, but also there. I think people are very ready for the Cubs to be competitive like i think they there are no expectations of it but there is like a i'm ready to buy in if they show they can be decent because i think people are just itching for that because the last it it isn't just that 
you had the trade deadline in 2021 and sending people off and the pandemic felt sort of the season felt kind of fake. Um, it's really that things have not felt good in terms of Cubs winning and competing and stuff since September, 2018, when the, that, that huge slide happened, it's kind of been shitty in a lot of ways since then. So I know people are just very eager for something to glom onto this year and be like, okay, cool. Maybe they'll win 85 games. Great. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I, it's nice that, that there's some sort of optimism because, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's certainly the people in my mentions that, that still are just like, well, this sucks. Everything still sucks. I posted the lineup and, and the responses to Miles Masturboni, like, who is this guy? And I'm just like, well, you guys are obviously just really good in tune fans. If if you're you don't know that Seiya Suzuki's hurt, they're like, we're gonna be playing him in right field all season. It's like, well, no, not exactly, but it's all right. This this you know, like, why don't you give the guy one game before you start hating on him? Uh, <laughs> but but I mean, I you know, I understand that the lineup. You look at that lineup, and you're not gonna you know, be bowled over and say, and that's not what gives you the 85 win vibes. And, and honestly, Brett, you know, I, I like the optimism. I like fans wanting to be positive, but it, it kind of does suck that 85 wins sure, is the positive sure. spin that we're sure. going to. Right. Uh, but I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to crap on that because I think it, it, you know, we're, they're building towards something and it is, it is more interesting and more entertaining and, my lord, a two-hour and twenty-minute game. Like uh, I'll take more of those as well. I I kind of looked at my. I was in the the media like uh, cafeteria area, and I was getting myself a drink. And then I was like, wait a second, it's gonna be the bottom of the ninth. It's like three something. I was like, I'm not even gonna like. What am I doing? I need to like grab my stuff and be ready to go downstairs. Like I hadn't even fully processed that. I'm like, I haven't written yet. So, so all the people that are saying that uh, us writers are going to get home earlier, no, we're just shifting our <laughs> writing from during the game to after the game. So we're not getting any uh, getting home any earlier. Uh, there is a lot more paying attention to the game and not like dead time of you know screaming at Gordon Wittenmeyer next to me because he's he's uh, saying something that I completely disagree with and and we just bark at each other for twenty minutes. Uh, we don't have the time to do that. So. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. I, I thought it was interesting just like that it carried over immediately into the regular season. I, I'm pretty sure most of the games were, were pretty short across across the league. But overall, the game, I mean, we've all talked about this, right? It, like it played out like in the perfect scenario. I, I love the Dansby Swanson quote where he's like, this isn't a I told you so moment. But he, he was close. You know, he, he wanted to say it, but he's like, it's not. Yeah, you can't do that after one game. But it is kind of cool. He basically was saying it is kind of cool that it played out exactly how we kind of drew it up. And that, you know, defense, aggressive base running, putting the ball in play, not a single extra base hit in the game, right? And, uh, you know, Daisby Swanson, we we freaked out about him all, all spring, and, and he has three hits. Uh, the one uh, at bat he made an out, it was like a 109-mile-per-hour liner to the outfield. Um uh, Keegan Thompson, I know I, I was concerned about his velocity. Hit, I think it was ninety four point six. We round up. according we to Statcast. Yeah, we can round up to ninety five. Give him the ninety five. So he looked fine. Uh, it, it was a, you know that's how it's going to play out. Let's see how the rest of the rotation goes, and and when when the bullpen like just I, I want to see how the rest of it goes. 
but it's gonna like those games that I I still think I I'm not sure if everyone agrees with me, but that double play in the third inning is is the biggest moment for me because that four run inning isn't always going to be a four run inning. It's going to be like a one run inning most of the time. So they're going to have to scrape to get these runs. And, and to win games, it's going to be much more tense. It's going to be much closer. One run, two runs, scraping them across because this offense just doesn't look like it's going to, you know, stack runs and stack those big innings on top of each other. Uh, so that, that type of bases loaded one out and you have this clean double play that I didn't think was routine, but they made it look pretty simple. Uh I think that's just so huge. And I, I think we're going to have more moments like that where we see them play really clean defense, really good plays that we almost overlook. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's what they didn't have. They didn't have that. So are they a great team now? No. But can they stay in games and, and maybe win a few more that they wouldn't have years before the past couple years because of playing really clean defense and having solid pitching? I think so. I, I'm not this. I'm not going to, you know, go off the optimism of one game, uh, as nice as it was. But I think that we saw what what uh, the good scenario is for this team. I think I've written this story before. I've probably alluded to it on a previous podcast, but I remember the details are a little hazy. But like back in 2015, David Ross is the new you know catcher on the team, and the Cubs were still in that maybe first third of the season, maybe not quite the all-star break. Uh, and there was a game maybe in Miami, but the story that I had heard was the Cubs did not turn a double play and Ross came into the dugout and just started screaming at a young Cubs infielder like, we need to turn blank, 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 that double play, just screaming in the dugout. And that that was a big part of the Basio Borzello like pitching infrastructure. Like if you throw this pitch in this location to this hitter, the ball will be hit to this spot. And we absolutely need this defense to turn that double play. And I think you saw, you know, it was only the third inning, but like a little thing uh, that, that really mattered that generates confidence, uh, you know, throughout the dugout, throughout the field. Uh, And, those are the moments that kind of swing games. And if the Cubs can kind of stack those up, you can see a path towards being relevant this year. Yeah, and it was not routine either. I mean, it wasn't like a – it's not going to show up on uh, Sports Center or anything. But it, it was Nico going pretty hard to his left, long throw to second, runners bearing down. And then, of course, there helped that Rowdy's not a super fast runner going to first. But um, I thought that was about as clean as you can execute that. And I think you make a good point, Zadiv, that I'm not sure if that gets turned last year, you know, if the that infield configuration is a little different. I, I don't think they pull that off. And it, again, you, you don't want to take that too far, one moment from one game as being like translated to an entire season. But not unlike the game itself, it was at least just emblematic of, yes, this is what they have to do if they're going to win. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, I'm going to leave that. If you guys have anything else you want to say about that, because I, I want to shift slightly because I want to say some things about Marcus Stroman because um, he kind of blew me away yesterday. I think it's getting not lost because uh, I think people are generally focusing on the right things. But like, I mean, dude struck out eight over six innings, got 15 whiffs. That's not generally his, I mean, he has games like that periodically, but that's not, what you're necessarily expecting from him. You're expecting the seven ground outs that he got none in the air, no air outs the entire game. So his, his line uh, from before the season about the Sanker B Sankin was pretty, uh, pretty prescient because that is how it played out. And I just thought, you know, for as much as we will focus this year on the defense, on the base running and around being kind of slappy, scrappy at the plate, um, the starting pitching has the potential to be very good. Um, I just feel like we haven't talked about that a lot because in spring training, you're focused on so many other things. Um, and, and I think that he showed uh, kind of what his ceiling still is, even as a post 30 pitcher. And um, I was very impressed. Yeah. So, so I asked him after the game, uh, this was, you know, after he talked to the media as a whole, I didn't want to kind of derail the press conference because I had a bunch of follow-ups and I wanted to make sure we could have a back and forth. But I was just curious about the whiffs specifically because I just, like, I wasn't going to write about it, but I was just, I was like, what was up with that? It was spread, and I'm double-checking now, as long as this is updated, uh, it was, it spread around a bunch of different pitches. And and I was asking him about how his pitches are labeled and, and, you know, this is what I saw and this is this is what the data is saying and, and is that accurate? So this – whatever is labeled a slurve on StatCast, so I think it's multiple pitches it's in his a, mind. Even Is it a grips. different shape of a slider for one of those? Yeah, they're like two different – there's two different sliders within that slurve, I believe. There's one that has more horizontal break and one that's the more traditional – break and 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 uh and drop right uh so i think the one that has more horizontal break is the one that he got advice from hayden wisneski on a couple like a week ago or so uh, according to him he said and he, that was his reasoning i asked him i was like was this part of the game plan was this just something you expected you you thought you could take advantage of or did it just happen uh and he basically said he thinks it's the slider it breaks more it's a little bit more effective this year uh, and you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be a trend. I like, I'd like to be able to look at these pitches a little bit better. Uh, maybe rewatch, uh, some strikeouts and some swings and misses to see how the pitches were moving. And if it was any different than what we were seeing from the press box, but yeah, it, he, <clears throat> he immediately like kind of, uh, responded to that question in a, in a positive fashion and, and was, was giving me some back and forth there as to what was going on with the slider 
And, you know, I agree. I think I, I'm very curious about this rotation. Jameson Tyon's, like, end to the spring was fascinating to me. Like, he's getting so much more swing and miss, and I don't want to read too much into it because it's spring. But that that sweeper seems to be a nice addition, and he seems to, like, have a lot of confidence in it now. And then his curveball is just is looking good as well. Like, his breaking pitches... Those were two things that they wanted to kind of work on, like add the sweeper and kind of fine tune the 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 curveball. And the hope was, yeah, maybe we'll get a little bit more swing and miss. I talked to him, both Tyon and and uh, Tucker Barnhart before spring training ended, and they both they both kind of like didn't want to. Even Ross, I, I asked him about it. None of them wanted to say like he's going to be like this strikeout pitcher now, right? I don't think we're going to see a 30% strikeout rate from Jameson Tyon, but but I'm very curious to see if we see a tick up in strikeouts. If it if it gets up to 25%, that'd be really interesting, right? If he can keep his walks at around 4 or 5%. Yeah, those I think Stroman's debut along with my kind of optimism about how Tyon looks and then how Wisniewski looks and then if you can the the two lefties if they're solid i think my feeling with steel is it's going to be like a build up he's not going to be dominant here and maybe maybe not bad but i'm not sure if you know i think the the cubs are going to have to battle through some of those starts early on as he kind of really finds his best self but i i don't think that that's not to suggest it's going to be like disastrous or anything but i i agree i just think this this rotation could be a lot better than uh, at least what projections are saying. And I'm just very curious to see if that that's going to play out that way. Uh, and then you have, and then, and then you start the discussion of, okay, did this team really, can this team really build like this pitching and defense oriented uh, team and, and kind of become like Cleveland, Tampa Bay. Uh, there's some other teams I'm, I'm leaving off, but that, that are, that have become clearly like, perennially you trust that those two teams right Cleveland and Tampa Bay will win even despite the fact that they may not have like these obvious superstars littered around the lineup although Cleveland's lineup is is looking a lot better but anyways my point is I think like that's the direction you want to go right but then you want to turn it you want to see the Cubs kind of step on the gas at some point and add those superstars that Tampa Bay and Cleveland can't yeah I just think it comes back to like you look at this weekend, the pitching matchups, you look, stretch this thing out through April. I just don't think the bottom is going to fall out on this team. Certainly not the way it did last year. Uh, there will be injuries, and I think everyone can feel reasonably confident or better about kind of what's waiting in the wings at Iowa, uh, certainly compared to for pri- comparing it to like prior rebuilds. Uh, some of those windows where just the Cubs are just kind of throwing guys out there and like crossing their fingers and closing their eyes like that should not happen this year. Um, maybe you get Kyle Hendricks, what, by the middle of May, early May. I mean, that would be a nice uh, problem to have to figure out where he slots in with these other five guys. And yeah, I think it's it's a fine balance between like giving the Cubs credit and also being like very cautious about what they actually have because they still have to like go out and and prove it and you know a guy like Tyone drafted in between uh Harper and Machado like he should be a really good pitcher and he was a really good pitcher with the Yankees and I I just think that stability uh 
matters a lot. Like when you're showing up to work every day, when you're going to the clubhouse and like, you know, the guy on the mound can like give you a legitimate competitive effort. Like that just goes a long way in a really long season. I think also we should point out that the bullpen usage was exactly what you'd want to see as well. Like if the Cubs were scripting things out, that would have been part of it too, where you just had to cover the seventh, the eighth and the ninth. And you can go with either Keegan Thompson or Albert Alzlai in the seventh, and then Brad Boxberger in the eighth and Michael Fulmer in the ninth. I think if we had been predicting it before the game, before the season, that's how we probably would have laid out how the Cubs would prefer the seventh, eighth, ninth to play out. And um, it did last night and, or excuse me, yesterday, and everybody was effective. And I thought it was nice to see Michael Fulmer in particular, um, you know, getting his Cubs debut in. He uh, had just a disastrous final spring outing. And, you know, we, we've gone over this at length, the extent to which any of that matters. But it was an interesting one because it was just sort of like, could not, it seemed like you couldn't tell where any of his pitches were going. And it, it had the feel of one where you're more like, oh, I just hope he's not, you know, losing his release point or there's a mechanical issue or whatever goes out yesterday and strikes out too. And just, he looks exactly like you would want him to look bonus props to got to give to Eric Hosmer on uh, the play there in the ninth where Fulmer knocked one down and hit his foot, had to make kind of a quick throw and it was not good. He buried it. Uh, that scoop from Hosmer was, was quite good. That was a very difficult play to stretch and scoop on. So I got to give, got to give a little credit there because, uh, you know, who knows? I doubt things would have gone completely sideways from there, but you know, nice, nicely done. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm curious how the bullpen usage is just going to go beyond that, right? Like when, you know, Keegan had one, two inning outing all spring. So I guess I'm not surprised that it was just a one inning outing. It very easily could have, uh, I could have, if Boxberger, Boxberger didn't look super sharp at first. And I was like, oh man, fans are going to freak out here. Why didn't he stick with Keegan? Because Keegan was looking good. Uh, so it was nice that Boxberger didn't give give the chance to people st- to start second guessing that decision. But I am like, who, when are we going to see these multi-inning guys and who who's he going to lean on as the multi-inning guys? Because I did Adbert get multiple innings in the, in the spring? I can't really remember seeing that. Um, and it's, is it just Assad now? Is Assad just the multi-inning guy out of that bullpen? Uh, what type of, like, how good can Julian Merriweather be? And, and where does he end up in this bullpen hierarchy? Uh, and, like, the Adbert, Merriweather, Assad trio, beyond the trio we saw yesterday, are the ones that I'm intrigued by as far as how's Ross going to use them? How's he? When's he going to deploy the multi-inning guy? Is that saved for more steel and or Smiley? I would guess Smiley's probably the guy that he's he's going to be like two times through the order is probably pretty good for Smiley, right? Like I don't remember Smiley being looked at as like a seven-inning guy, seven-plus guy, right? If you can get six out of Smiley, that's a big win from what I'm remembering, what he does well. I like Smiley, but that's that's kind of like what you want to get out of a fourth or fifth starter in today's game. Uh, so that I think the bullpen usage is going to be really fascinating, and I think we'll start to see it kind of unfold this weekend and even against the Reds early next week. But um, just in general, I think it, it's going to be great to be able to see 
Ross in games that matter. That's not like this weird pandemic season, right? Where, where who knows games that matter. I, I'm not sure if that that's how I describe that season anymore. Uh, but it, I'm, I want to see how he handles this. I think I, my, from what I've watched of him for in 21 and 22, I feel like he knows what he's doing with bullpens. So I want to see it in a season that matters. I want to see it beyond April and May when things get tough and that that bullpen that you were writing in April and May, suddenly some guy is, is dealing with something and now you're down two guys that you trusted that just aren't either aren't feeling it or, or are hurt or whatever it is or going through a rut. Um, how's he going to handle it? How's, how's this summer going to be when the pressure is on and the games matter and it's not just barreling towards the trade deadline and a sell-off? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure he can... I, I trust he can handle the actual pressure of the moment because, you know, he's been through that as a player. But just the strategic side of it, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, you're right, it lined up perfectly yesterday. That's that's how you draw it up, but it's not always going to be like that. And there are games where the, the starter is going to struggle to get through three or four innings. And then what what's his – how is he using that bullpen? I'm, I'm curious. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I just wanted to shift gears a bit. I was curious, you know, obviously the Cubs have a, you know, what seems to be a pretty reliable, safe rotation. They have like kind of talented, but sort of no name relievers. And to me, I was a little surprised yesterday when they announced the attendance at 36,054, which I'm sincerely not trying to troll here. I was just curious, like, that usually starts with a four, and if it doesn't, it's like a 38 or a 39. And then, you know, I just, out of curiosity, check the Nationals, a team that's up for sale and coming off a 107 loss season and, you know, does not nearly have the entrenched fan base that the Chicago Cubs do. And they drew 35-756. And again, Wrigley is spectacular. There was a good crowd, a good energy there, but I just thought like, I mean, Sahad and I were talking about this, like, okay, you know, let's hear what the cheers are for Nico or what the cheers are for Dansby. And then like, you know, that would obviously be a nice detail to put in our stories. And like, there were good cheers, but it was nothing like overwhelming. It wasn't this like, you know, rattling feeling inside the stadium. And obviously a nice win. Uh, It's always a great day to go out to Wrigley, but Brett, I was curious uh, in your state how you felt the uh, crowd and environment was because in our you know kind of fishbowl in the press box, you, you know when the windows are closed, it felt a little detached, and then it just that like roar kind of wall of sound to me just wasn't quite there. Yeah, I mean it was not. I wouldn't compare it to some of the biggest moments that I've been there for, even even particularly big opening days. I think what we're seeing is still the tail end of a period of 
decline in, in fan enthusiasm that, that was in some ways inevitable after the World Series win. I think that was always going to become a challenge in terms of getting people out and getting people excited. And that was paired, of course, with a downtrend in performance, the loss of some familiar faces, um, and a pandemic. And, and I think where you're going to see a lot of that marginal additional attendance is going to have to come from the folks who, and I, and I experience this in people I talk to and friends and sort of I gauge kind of what their feelings are. And it's going to have to come from a team that is seen as a winner, is seen as competitive, is seen as it's worth reinvesting, not just literally the money to go to a game, but reinvesting emotionally it, because it's going to be an enjoyable ride. And I think for a lot of people, it's just not been an enjoyable ride the last few years. And so they've become detached. And I think, you know, you're going to see the 35,000 or so on an opening day because it's Wrigley Field, because it's it, you, most of the enthusiasm is about the experience of the day, the opening day holiday. And I did feel that way too, it, setting me personally aside, but that was like the energy I felt was that most of the positivity was about look around. God bless this place. I'm here with friends. You know, things we talked about at the top of the pod. Um, there is less, I think, among fans, uh, chatter about the things that we have spent the bulk of this podcast on, which is about, you know, how are the Cubs going to win? How, you know, how competitive can they be? Is the rotation sneaky good? All of these things. And I think that, that just has a long tail of proving it out such that, if you told me the Cubs were competitive into July and then we suddenly did start seeing those, those bigger swells of, of noise and enthusiasm and attendance in games, that wouldn't shock me. I think that the, there is a, a fan base there ready to do that. But I think, uh, was it one of you guys that was writing about prove it? I know Greenberg included it uh, in his, but I think that's where things are is it's just got to, they got to prove it. Um, and I also think just as a, as a postscript to this, I think because of just the way the world has changed the last few years for all of, well, maybe all of entertainment, but specifically baseball, I think you're going to see it's hard to get back to quite where it was, you know, 2015, 2016, and even back to 2008 in 2009, that area where 40,000 daily was not at all surprising. I think that's going to be tough to get back to regardless of how good or competitive the Cubs are for reasons that are somewhat out of their control, maybe drop the prices a little bit and you know, that that's a separate discussion. But anyway, that's how I would sum all that up. I, I just looked it up. It was 35, 112 last year for the opener. Uh, and honestly, I didn't remember it being that low. Uh, so and when I read Patrick's story this morning, I was shocked to see that number 36, whatever it was. Uh, so I, I don't think you're trolling, Patrick. That was that was surprising to see. I, I just I, I mean, Brett, you you make all good points. I'm just still surprised. It's opening day. It's Wrigley Field. I don't care if it's I mean, you know, people I don't know if anybody cares about the weather for opening day in Chicago. I mean, I've seen that place packed and it's usually much crappier than it was yesterday. Yesterday was nice for opening day in Chicago. So it, it's a little surprising to me. And I, you know, I, I get the prove it angle, especially and, and that we're on the tail end of this pandemic and, and, you know, the 
probably some people still holding back in in that fashion but i i'm surprised by it 36,000 i'd i'd expect it to be pushing 40 um but maybe we're just not at that point and uh and i do see a lot of people you know i don't like to judge everything off twitter but there are still people that just don't aren't believing in this they they look at this roster and they don't see um they don't even see like a the real path to like competitiveness which i i think is an overreaction or just like a a very very pessimistic view of it all but but i but i also get it there's no there's no obvious you don't look at this and be like oh yeah yeah look at all the history that when you talk about uh, the history that all these guys have it's like it really is like a lot of it's like the past right cody bellinger eric hosmer um some of these guys that that we're talking about like that have all these awards i think tucker barnhart's one of the guys with the gold gloves i mean these aren't guys you like are like oh yeah look the cubs got these guys right bellinger i am i'm optimistic for his season but other than that it's like you talk about all the hardware it's like yeah that's i'm not sure if they're going to add hardware some of these guys uh so so i get when 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 there is some of that negativity but i also think you know they're building something here, and like I like we just talked about all podcasts, the 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 pitching and defense. I think will should be enough to kind of give that prove it. And and like Patrick said before, the bottom shouldn't drop out here. So I think when it when it gets nice out again, when it's really in the summer, and if they're in the in the middle of it, if they're if they're even even if it's four or five games out of it, I think as long as they're hovering around five hundred and they're playing interesting ball, and maybe maybe some of these younger guys are, are looking good. Some of the younger pitchers like Wisniewski and, and maybe someone else is coming up and, and whatever it may be, you want something that the fans can kind of glom onto and say like, yeah, this is exciting. This is fun. I want to come and watch this. Cause there was that feeling in at the end of 14, right? Uh, I'm not sure if I fully see that yet, but I can see it happening. You just want to make sure that, that, that you know certain things happen to uh to kind of draw them in whether it's brennan davis or or matt mervis or or nico really turning it on or say suzuki turning into a star whatever it may be uh you just want some of this stuff to happen so fans are like you know clamoring to get to wrigley yeah and i you know i i totally get why fans are you know have to make economic decisions and you know how to invest their passion their time all that not at all criticizing Cubs fans for not showing up because we all understand the frustration that fans have had and uh, why there is skepticism right now. Uh, But this kind of dents what was like the whole reason why the Ricketts family bought this team, like what the Cubs like enduring kind of business model was. And, you know, I think it is, you know, could be a, a good thing for them to not just kind of take for granted that uh, three million are going to show up uh, no matter what. There are ways to get creative. Uh, I still, I would agree with them if you look at the whole scope of an eighty-one game home schedule and all the different pricing tiers and areas. Like there are affordable ways to go to a Cubs game that maybe you can't find. In, with other professional sports teams uh, in Chicago. So, you know, I get all that, but there's clearly a strain uh, on the, on the business side here because the baseball side hasn't kept up. 
And I think that's part of why Dansby Swanson is here on a $177 million contract. And that's why um, you had Jed Hoyer yesterday referencing Miguel Montero's We Are Good t-shirts because uh, every you know great team, I guess maybe except for like the Yankees, uh, but like there is that like in-between stage of like even in the clubhouse, they're like, wait, do we have something figured out here? And that's always like, fun to see happen uh there's just no guarantee uh that you get there so i think these little moments whether it's the double play we talked about earlier or uh marcus stroman like having a career year and then opting out of his contract will be like (laughs) stuff that i think that's part of why too we haven't talked about stroman as much or why there isn't as much like okay but like because he's not quite a building block. Like when you sign a guy with two guaranteed years and an opt out. And that's why finally now you have a tie um, who as Sahadev can attest is like a super smart guy, a really interesting guy who just like can talk the game, can talk about other stuff. I mean, people just rave about Trey Mancini. Um, I mean, listening to Dansby Swanson, it's like every answer sounds like a shareable content clip that like Marquis going to, put on as a tweet like just like that's just how he talks in these like full paragraphs that like you know if this guy hits even just a little bit like Cubs fans are gonna love this guy so you can see kind of the outlines of you know what could be uh, a good team and I think the best part for us is like we spent years talking about this of like what maybe they could be doing or what might happen it's like they've They've made some real choices here, and now we'll see whether or not they're the right ones. That's a good way to put that. That they, it, It's clear we can say this even just after one game because we could say it before the game, that it, in a lot of ways it's very clear that the Cubs have gotten a version of the team they wanted to put together. Uh, it's maybe a little early in some respects, but this is what they wanted. And so it's sort of like, okay, let's see how it goes that doesn't make for huge attendance numbers uh, because people are, like we said, going to want to see that it actually goes somewhere. But um, it does, I think, underscore why for me personally as a fan, I'm more excited about this season than some in the recent past, even ones that still featured a lot of big names because it was sort of, you knew what that team was. You kind of knew what the issues were potentially going to be. You knew what the good version was going to look like, you know, this is a different model, and I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out uh, over the next 161. I don't think the Cubs are going to give up another run this season. Um, we'll see. <laughs> they haven't so far. Um, I was checking the stats earlier, and they have not given up a run yet this season. <laughs> so we'll see. Eventually they might let in one or two, but uh, you know, we'll get there when we get there. We uh, will be back on our uh, two episodes week uh, cadence uh, here in the regular season. So that means we will be back at you early next week um, to, to wrap up kind of this Cubs Brewer series and think, think more about what this team can and will be. So we appreciate you as always listening to us as we embark on a new season. Uh, it's on to Waveland. Uh, it's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Patrick Mooney and Zahadev Sharma. Get theirs at The Athletic. And uh, hope you have a great weekend and bask in the glow of a nice opening day win. Take care, all. 